It's February 1st, and the Carleton University Students Association is back in the news. And guess what? It has to do with freedom of speech. There's a group at the Ottawa University called the Carleton Students for Liberty, and they put up a free speech wall a week ago. The idea was that it was a space for anyone to express their views on anything. Free speech, basically. But what happened? Someone didn't like what others were writing, so he took down the wall. Hours after the wall was put up, the wall was taken down. The student that took the wall down claimed that the wall was an act of violence against the gay community. Now, what are some of the comments that were objectionable? Abortion is murder, someone wrote, and traditional marriage is awesome, someone else wrote. So what now? This action has sparked a national debate on free speech and what constitutes hate speech. I guess, in a way, that's a good thing. The Student Association is calling the act an act of vandalism and is speaking out against this particular student. And so, I begin the program thinking about free speech, a right that we would not have had it not been for Christianity. Think about that. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, heard online at Salt and Light Radio, also on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129, and across the U.S. Midwest on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we'll be joined by Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. He has some suggestions for anyone wanting to go to Hollywood and get involved. Andrew Santos will also be here with our Saint of the Week, and Sheridan is also here with ideas for what you can do as we move into Lent. Krista Matrenko will also bring us our weekly news, and that's all coming up in our first half hour. In our second half hour, we'll be speaking with Sean Carney. He's the campaign director of the 40 Days for Life. I'm sure you've all heard about that. He and 40 Days National Director David B. Wright just wrote a book that tells the story of the campaign. It's a great book that shows what God has done and what God can do. Sean Carney will join us for a featured chat later in the program. And our featured artists are three sisters that call themselves Seraphim. And if you think you'd like the voices of angels, then I think you'll like them. Here they are with Immaculate Mary.
That was Seraphim with Immaculate Mary from their album Hail Queen of Heaven. And we're going to be speaking with Lisa, Teresa, and Krista Hansen, who are Seraphim, in our second half hour. But now, here's Chris with our news. Pedro, there's a lot of media outlets out there using the word Catholic, of yeah. course, including the Catholic Channel yes. and Spirit Radio, this, Catholic yeah, Radio. This, yeah. uh, but what if the message isn't Catholic? Mm. Well, it's a question behind a new dispute involving a Catholic newspaper. The National Catholic Reporter is published in Kansas City, Missouri. And the Bishop of Kansas City is Bishop Robert Finn. He wrote an article about the National Catholic Reporter, and he says that they take positions against authentic Catholic teaching. So he's asked them to submit their credentials for being able to use the word Catholic according to church law. Now, they've responded, saying that they are Catholic, they can use that word because they report on church matters. And that includes commenting on those who question church teachings, hmm. which they um, unquestionably do. Yeah, of course. Now, this could become a trend. Uh, how do bishops ensure Catholic identity in institutions that use the name, whether it's media, schools, or hospitals? Mm -hmm. And apart from canon law, what can the bishops do to legally ensure that the Catholic name right. isn't being misappropriated? Yeah, copyright. So yeah. Something to watch. Uh, now, moving on, Pedro, if a television producer tells you that his new series will be bigger than Survivor or The Voice, <laughs> you should be skeptical, right? Unless that producer... <laughs> it's because I know where you're going. <laughs> yes, unless that producer is... Mark Burnett. Now, yes. Mark Burnett is the brains behind Survivor, and as such, he has effectively remade television as we know mm -hmm. it with the reality genre. I know. And now, along with his wife, he's the executive producer of a new miniseries called The Bible. Now, his wife is also very well known. Roma Downey played Monica for nine seasons on Touched by an Angel. I interviewed them both for Catholic Focus when they came to Toronto this week. And they told me that they think that over the next 25 years, more people will have watched this series on the Bible than all of their past work combined. And the project is very, very ambitious. First of all, because unlike many films that cover just one book of the Bible, they cover the whole narrative of salvation history, mm -hmm. starting from Genesis, going right through to Revelation. And they had the budget to do it right. Uh, he revealed that they spent $20 million, that's $2 million per hour of television, so a very big budget. Uh, the Bible debuts on the History Channel in both the United States and Canada, and the date is March 3rd. Two one-hour episodes will air for five weeks, so two, hour, two hours every week starting on March 3rd, and it's going to end on Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. We've got the trailer on our blog, that's saltandlighttv.org slash blog. You can watch the trailer, and the full interview will be on a future Catholic Focus. Finally, Pedro, I've told you before on the radio that my two favorite kinds of news are religion news and animal stories, and it really makes my day whenever a story can cover <laughs> both. Religious animals. Uh, well, yeah, yes. something like that. Well, 2,000 young people went to St. Peter's Square this week. I'm not saying the young people <laughs> are the animals. Stay with me here. The young people joined the Pope as he prayed the Angelus, and they came on this particular Sunday as part of an annual event called the K-12 
caravan of peace. And what do you do to mark a day of peace? Bring out some animals? You release some doves. Oh, doves, of yeah. course. Yeah, yes. that's, what, that's yes. what you always yes. do. Not, not cats. No, <laughs> no, no, you don't release cats. <laughs> no. And uh, so the Pope released two doves from his window, but to the horror of the thousands of kids in the square, a seagull attacked the dove in midair. Did you? S- I don't know if you saw these I photos, I did not Pedro. see this. Oh, my and, God. And the seagull is very large. It appeared to be about twice the size of the dove. Oh, that's terrible. And, you know, very, very big beak and claws. And thankfully, the dove narrowly escaped. Uh, it, it, uh, the story started to go viral. Oh Ta- Time magazine gosh. had the best headline of the day. Pope's Dove of Peace attacked by seagull of irony. (laughs) And releasing doves is never as easy as it sounds. They didn't learn their lesson from last year. During this same event, uh, the two doves that the Pope released flew right back into the papal apartment. There's one of my favorite video clips is John Paul releasing doves, and one of the doves flies right back and lands on his head. On his head, that's right. (laughs) Yes, yes. There's always hijinks. Maybe that's why they do it. (laughs) Maybe. It it makes for great television. It makes for viral videos. I'm going to have to look for the seagull. Good thing it wasn't like a hawk or a Uh, a, a vulture (laughs) or something more ominous. Well, good. Thank you. Thanks for that. Krista Matrenko, our Salt and Light News producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, whether it be about religion or animals, we'd love to hear from you. Our email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, I'm Michael James Meddy, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And coming up, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. Now, it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Hello, Deacon Pedro. How's it going? Andrew, good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about um, a particular saint and his companions. Okay. So, drum roll, we're going to be talking about St. Paul Miki. Oh, yes. Of course. Uh, Do you know this is my parish? Yeah, that's Holy right. Martyrs Holy Martyrs of Japan. Japan. Yeah, that's yes. right. Okay, so, we're going to go. cross the Pacific and we're going to go over to uh, to Japan and Very learn a little good. bit about St. Paul Miki. Yeah. We know that Paul was the son of a Japanese military leader and he was born into a wealthy Japanese family. Mm. He was born at, uh, forgive me, to our Japanese <laughs> <laughs> Our Japanese listeners? listeners? Yes, uh, Tunukumada. Japan. That sounds Japanese. Yeah, he was educated uh, at the Jesuit College of Anzikiyama in Azuki and Takatsuki. Takatsuki. And it was there that he joined the Jesuits. And the Jesuits are also known as um, being from the Society of Jesus. Yes, and they evangelized the whole of Asia. That's right. And uh, he joined the Jesuits in 1580. And he became known for his, he's another saint that's known for his eloquent preaching, for his style of getting the word across. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, he ended up gaining a lot of uh, converts to Catholicism. Yeah. Okay. So um, the Japanese uh, daimyo or the leader, uh-huh. um, his last name was Hideyoshi. He was actually fearful of the Jesuits' influence um, because you know the Jesuits, you know, were reaching out. They were communicating the various aspects of the faith. Yeah. And as always, they got the establishment nervous. Of course. Look at King Herod. Yes. Um, so basically, he was fearful of the Jesuits' influence, and um, then he began um, persecuting Catholics. Okay. So Miki ended up being jailed along with all um, his other companions. Okay. 
him and the others, they were forced to march 600 miles wow. um, from Kyoto to Nagasaki, uh-huh. all the while they were singing Te, de- te, te Deum. deum really. yeah. And when they arrived in Nagasaki, um, uh, the city, s- Nagasaki is known as the city with the largest Catholic population in Japan. I didn't know that until now. Mm. Um, when he arrived in Nagasaki, Paul Miki was crucified. That was wow. on February the 5th. And he was crucified with 25 other Catholics um, during the whole time of um, Christian persecution. Right, all the martyrs. Yeah, yeah he preached his last sermon from the cross. Uh-huh. And yes, uh, it's known that he forgave his executioners, stating that he himself was Japanese. Yes. Um, among the Japanese um, to suffer the same faith were um, just a few names here. Francis, he was a carpenter uh-huh. arrested while watching the executions. He was also crucified. We also know about Gabriel, the 19-year-old son of the Franciscan supporter. Another Japanese layman called Leo Kinuya, 28 years old carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are just uh, just a sample of those who ended up being persecuted and uh, crucified for their faith. Right. Um, there was one who was baptized by the Jesuits, gave up his Catholicism on the death of his father, and became a bonze, uh-huh. and was brought back to the church by the Franciscans. Right. They were all crucified and they were all canonized as the martyrs of Japan by Pope Pius XII in 1862. So 26 martyrs of Japan. 26 martyrs. Yeah. So St. Paul, Miki and companions. Uh, we celebrate their feast day in the Universal Church coming up on February Wednesday, 6th. February the 6th. And I know that because it's my parish and we have a special mass oh, okay. and we're going to be uh, exposing and venerating the relics that we have of Paul Miki and the, and the martyrs of Japan in my that's parish. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, so that's holy martyrs of Wednesday. Japan, you, you know, we hear about all different martyrs from Europe and from South America, yeah, but you, you don't. No, yeah. no. And it's funny because, I mean, there's not one single Japanese person in my parish. <laughs> so I don't know how they come up with these parish names. But Do you get any Japanese pilgrims that come up? No. No. That's very no. interesting. I'll have to see on the feast day because, in fact, there's a special indulgence now. If you go this for this year of faith, if you go to mass okay. at, a, at a parish that's celebrating a feast day. So okay. I think it's going to be a big mass. Anyway. Hey, well, head to Bradford. Yes, Bradford, okay. Ontario on February 6th. Thank you very much. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Remember to tell us who your favorite saint is. And Andrew can tell yeah. everybody about exactly. that person. Or if we still like have not heard who your favorite saint is. No, we haven't. We yeah. haven't. Someone commented on St. Agnes uh, last week. But uh, other than that, we need to hear more. Who are your favorite saints? And then we can let everyone know. So remember, you can send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, I'm Danny Torkia from Media Ministry Minutes, and you're listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood, with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I I know that, that the season starts in September. That's probably when a lot of people are moving to Hollywood. But if people are going to Hollywood for the New Year resolution, they're going there, how can they get involved? Well, this is what I want to talk about today. I'm I'm always harping on, you know, people coming 
coming down here, you know, be a missionary, get involved. I have four concrete opportunities uh, to talk about. Uh, there are programs that are run here by some fantastic organizations. Okay. Um, and just a regular lay person like you or I can apply for them and okay. come on down. So if people are not driving, they should take notes? Correct. Correct, yes. Take okay, notes. So or record the program. Record the, yes, download it, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Download it later yes. and listen to it. So what's the first one? first one is called Lights, Camera, Action, and it's a leadership program, and uh -huh. it's put on by uh, Opus Dei Women, Whoa. and it's a one-week program that goes from June, 20, or June 17th to 24th, uh, and basically it's an intensive week-long program. Uh, they have seminars, they have classes on media and ethics, uh, and then talks from industry professionals and also tours of some of their organizations. And it's only for women? Only for women, unfortunately. So you or I cannot apply. So and generally for kind of young, young adult women. So people who are looking to potentially launch their career in media or something like that. Interesting. So, and Opus Dei, you said. Yeah. There's wow. an application online for it. Uh, Westfieldresidence.org. Um, okay. Westfieldresidence.org. Yes. Okay. Fantastic good. program. Okay. Good. The next one uh, I've talked about in the past, you might have heard of, it's Family Theater. Oh, of course. Um, but they actually have an internship program, and uh, actually a number of my friends have either come down here or uh, have been on this internship program. Uh, and basically it's open to anyone. Uh, the timing is they'll generally go, go on academic quarters, um, and you get a small stipend for it. Mm. Um, a big plus is that you can get academic credit for your work as well, too. And uh, what you'll do is you'll kind of come down, you'll help out with all aspects of production. So you could be on set, you could be editing, um, you could be helping produce and contact people for it and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, any, any kind of work. It's a great practical experience. <clears throat> so people, and people can just look, at, look, look for Family Theater? Yes, that is familytheater.org. Uh, okay, and you can just Google for intern, even internships, Family Theater. Perfect. Sure yeah, they, they do good work. That's the. Family Rosary yeah. International people. Yeah. Nice. Holy Cross Ministries. Pop up right away. Yeah. Okay. Good. The next one actually is a, a program. It only started recently. I want to say in like the last 10 years. Um, it's a pro-life volunteer corps. Uh, okay. And it, it basically it's, uh, they ask for a minimum of a one-year commitment, uh, but you can apply at any time. Um, and when you're accepted, you will live uh, in community. Again, sorry, this is just for the women. Um, okay. You'll live in community with the other women. Um, but you'll end up doing volunteer work at pro-life agencies, pro-life offices, parishes, maybe maternity homes, um, hospices, anywhere where the, uh, the culture of life and pro-life values are basically being promoted. In so, Hollywood or Los Angeles? Like in is this all? all yes, yeah, sorry, all and uh, this is all in the Los Angeles area. Nice, so. interesting. Okay, so for yeah. young young women, twenty one years older, yeah, they live in in community and then they do pro life work, whatever Correct. is necessary. Nice, I like that. Yeah, and it, it's a great program, and you know they're they're a little a little bit hidden kind of a thing, and I'm yeah. trying to bring them into the light a little bit. Yeah, so let's do that. I, good. I hope they're flooded with applications now. So. Okay, good. Sorry, and the, they if they so you said it was called volunteers. Uh, it's the. Uh, Pro-Life Volunteer Corps, or just Google Volunteers for Life, uh, and it's volunteersforlife.org. Okay, perfect. Just, yeah, look for the program. Okay, there. good. And the last one? Uh, the last one is, of course, my favorite, uh, which is the Act One Writing or Producing Program. Yeah, of course. We've talked um, about that, too, right? We've talked about this many, many times. Um, but their application, so it's basically a summer program that runs from the end of May to mid-August. 
um, on weekends and evenings. So if you have a full-time job, it can work with that. Um, but it's a series of intensive lectures and workshops, small group meetings. Uh, they're either focused on, say, the craft of screenwriting or uh, producing. And then, and then also with a lot of talks on how you can live out your faith uh, within that. And it, it's a very successful program, and in fact, so successful that there's even lots of non-Christians that want to be in this program as well, too. So, um, And the tuition for it is $5,000, mm-hmm. um, and the application deadline is April 1st. Okay, so good. that's why I've given people lots of time, you know, get your application in. Uh, for the summer. So if people want to uh, uh, work on their their writing craft or learn how to produce and they're Christian, because it's not just for Christians, but it is a Christian program. Correct, correct. They yeah. sh- they, this is something for them, and it's Act 1, if they just... Uh, it's act1program, I believe, dot org, again. So, okay, excellent. So yeah, just go- uh, Google Act 1 program. Sure, okay, and then lastly, if people want to just go hang out with you, can they do that yeah, and learn yeah, from totally. you? Yeah, totally, my couch, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, let, let the spirit lead you. You know, they'll, they'll have to find out where I live somehow. Somehow, um, good, good. So, so lots of lots of good uh, um, options there. Lights, camera, action, leadership program, family theater internships, the volunteer co- pro life volunteers, uh, volunteers for life, volunteers for life, and the Act One writing or producing program. Mark, thank you very much. This is good advice for any of our aspiring uh, uh, Hollywood personality people. Um, thank you very More much. More concrete opportunities. Yes, concrete opportunities with Mark Matthews. Thank there you very much. All right. Thank you, Pedro. There you go. What's good about Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and now you can listen to Catholic music all day long on Salt and Light Radio at that same web address. And for more things you can do, here's Sheridan. Hello, friends. Okay, so starting out in Toronto, we've got a public lecture by His Eminence, Cardinal Onayakan, the Archbishop of Abuja, Nigeria. He's going to be giving a public lecture on February the 5th, that's in a couple of days, uh, at 7 p.m. at Father Madden Hall at 100 St. Joseph Street, and that is being sponsored by the Faculty of Theology at the University of St. Michael's College, and the topic will be Beyond Religious Tolerance, Building Bridges of Inclusion in Our World, Reflection on Muslim-Christian Relations in Sub-Saharan Africa. And guess what, Pedro? Yeah? I got to actually meet Cardinal Onayakin when I was attending the Synod on the New Evangelization. So don't you think that's cool? Really? Yeah, that is. Yeah, so continuing on in the Archdiocese of Vancouver, this year's one conference will be held on Saturday, February the 16th at the Vancouver Convention Center in downtown Vancouver. Uh, Last year's gathering was a great success, so this conference brings together people from parishes, ministries, schools, organizations, and movements for a day of faith formation. And, of course, Matt Ma will perform a concert as a part of the conference. Visit rcav.org for details. That's Good. the Archdiocese of Vancouver's website, rcav.org. And in Ottawa, in our neck of the woods, the National March for Life will take place on Thursday, May the 9th, in Ottawa. Last year, it drew a record-smashing 19,000 pro-lifers from across Canada. And so to find out more, visit CampaignLifeCoalition.com Again, that's CampaignLifeCoalition.com 
And in Edmonton, enjoy an evening of Teze prayer that will be on the 10th of February from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Assumption Roman Catholic Parish. And uh, check out the Archdiocese of Edmonton's website. And you know what else? What's special about the Archdiocese this year? No, but I'm sure you're going to tell us. Yes, they are celebrating their 100th anniversary. So I think that's pretty cool too. Nice. And the National Week for Life and Family will happen from May the 12th through to the 19th. The Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops has asked all dioceses in Canada to mark a National Week for Life and Family in May. And the Year of Faith asks us to consider marriage and family life as key to the new evangelization. Liturgy guides, suggested parish activities and other initiatives will be sent out to parishes as soon as they're available. And for more information, you can visit CCC. B.ca. And that's it for today. Well, thank you very much, Sheridan. Lots going on and lots uh, of planning ahead for May. And coming up in our second half hour, a featured chat with Sean Carney of 40 Days for Life and more music by Seraphim. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. This year is the 40th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, and today, abortion has become the leading cause of death worldwide, ending the lives of more than 42 million children each year and harming millions of women and men. But there is hope. Beginning with one hour of prayer in Texas in 2004, the 40 Days for Life movement of prayer and fasting, peaceful vigils, and community outreach has mobilized more than half a million volunteers in 481 cities around the world. Over 6,000 babies have been spared from abortion. 75 abortion workers have had a change of heart and quit their jobs. 25 abortion centers have closed. And every baby, every changed heart, Every closure is an amazing story. And now, there is a book to tell us this story. I'm now joined by the co-author of 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do, Sean Carney. Sean, welcome to, to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon. It's good to be on. How are you, How are you today? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Um, and you must be really busy. Tell us about, well, I, I, I always read that 40 Days... Is 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 a groundbreaking campaign? Why why was it described as groundbreaking? Well, I think it's groundbreaking because it's focused on prayer. And you know, as you mentioned in in your opening, we just passed the 40th anniversary of legalized abortion. We've now lost lost 55 million children uh, to abortion, and that's a call to return to prayer. Uh, a country that has aborted 55 million uh, children is a country that is drifting quickly away from God. And so that's why uh, the 
40 Days for Life movement is centered on prayer. It's centered on fasting, community outreach, and going to where these abortions actually happen, holding peaceful vigils uh, outside of them. We've seen, uh, we've been so humbled over the last five years as we've seen 40 Days for Life go to 481 cities in 15 uh, different countries. And that's what makes it groundbreaking, is that it's, it's based on prayer, and most of the people, of the, the 550,000 people who have participated in, in 40 Days for Life, uh, they want to do something more for the woman who's scheduled to have an abortion in their community today, mm-hmm. or this weekend, or next week, and 40 Days for Life has been that avenue. Right, so yeah, because you don't think that just standing and praying would do anything, but <laughs> I guess we, we know the power of prayer. Um, how did you get involved, Sean? Well, first, I was the last person that ever thought that I'd be, you know, in the pro-life movement to the level that I am. I went to Texas A&M University in right. College Station, Texas, and, yeah. and was invited by my then uh, girlfriend, now wife, to go out and to pray peacefully in front of our local Planned Parenthood abortion facility. Uh, I had never seen an abortion facility at the time, and yeah. to my knowledge, had never met a woman who had ever had an abortion. And so it was really a profound experience, and uh, I think that what most people think of of uh, that scene, uh, we, sometimes we believe the stereotypes and assume it's going to be self-righteous Christians screaming at women going in for abortions, telling them they're going to hell, yeah. and it was quite the opposite. It was very sad. It was very sobering, and you really see the pain of abortion as you see women uh, who obviously don't want to make that appointment and don't want to walk in and have an abortion, and, it, and, and you see the pain written all over their face uh, right. before and after the abortion. And so it really uh, struck my heart as I was you know, 18, 19 years old at uh-huh. the time, just a, a college freshman. So I got more involved and, and was fortunate enough to hear post-abortive women give their testimonies, and that, again, was, was a time in college that really convicted my heart uh, to do more. And so, uh, you know, from, from the beginning, I've always encouraged people to, to go out and to peacefully pray in front of their local abortion facilities. We had no idea that after conducting the first ever 40 Days for Life campaign in the fall of 2004, that God would spread this effort to so many different cities uh, to where now... Uh, we've had so many people participate. So that one, that that prayer vigil that you went to, was that the first 40 Days for Life in, in College Station? No, it wasn't actually. It was in the fall of 2004 uh, when David B. Wright and myself yeah. and my wife were, were seeing our local abortion numbers go, go up, and so we spent one hour in prayer asking God how we could impact our local abortion numbers, and, and 40 Days just came to us. Okay, so, so you, you, you were part of the, the, the actual beginning of 40 Days with David B. Wright, you and your yes. wife. Yeah. Yes, and that, you know, that's the irony, too, is that that was just one local campaign in College Station, Texas, that we never imagined would ever leave Texas, I much know. less go across the United States and, and beyond. And I it know. shows what God can do uh, with a simple plea uh, from from his people to uh, to bring an end to this injustice at the local level. I know it's amazing. So it's been seven years, almost seven years, and you've been involved quite actively. So what, I guess, what has been the biggest challenge, or what is the, still the biggest challenge that we face in with this movement? That, that's a great question. And during the 40th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, it, it is by far the greatest challenge to the pro-life movement to overcome discouragement. At times, this can be uh, very discouraging work. 
Uh, we live in a very cynical world. We we live at a time when when people uh, toss out hope or just disregard uh, good good stories, and uh, that's one of the reasons why we put together the book uh, of mm-hmm. Forty Days for Life. Because now, perhaps more than ever, we need to hear stories of hearts changed on the most controversial issue of our time. I mean, often the problem is we don't want to talk about abortion because we assume, well, I have my position and you have your position, and what good does it do to right. talk about it? We'll just argue, and so we kind of throw our hands up in the air and, and think that abortion's here to stay and that no one will change their mind, and, and that's just not true. We've seen nearly 7,000 women change their minds at the very last moment, just before they, they went into their abortion appointment. Mm-hmm. We've seen 75 abortion clinic workers, those working uh, in the industry, have conversions and leave their jobs, and it's because of the prayer. And uh, we, we have to, especially after, you know, uh, having 40 years of abortion, we have to set aside that cynicism and say, no, there is hope uh, for our country. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there is hope uh, to build a culture of life, even on the front lines. Uh, right where the abortions actually happen. So in the book, you're not just telling the story of 40 Days of, of Life, 40 Days for Life, but you're telling the story of all these these people who've been touched and of all the the blessings that you've seen over the last seven years. Absolutely. And, and some of the most uh, surprising and, and unpredictable stories uh, in the book are those of the actual volunteers and mm. the leaders of, of 40 Days for Life. You know, sometimes we get involved in, in, in an activity like this, wanting to charge off and save the entire world, uh, but often it's our own hearts that are transformed. It's our own uh, souls that need to be worked on, and, and those are the most beautiful stories. And, and yes, you know, it includes stories about, you know, moms choosing life at the last moment and an abortion facilities closing and abortion clinic workers having conversions, but uh, it, it's really throughout the flow of the book is the story of, of those uh, who are involved and, mm-hmm. and, and what's going on uh, in the lives of these moms and in the lives of these workers. And so it's, it's really, uh, it, it's been exciting. It's something we worked on, you know, uh, for, for the last few months, and, and yeah. we just, we hope God really uses it. We are excited when we we mailed it out to a few national leaders. We we got an endorsement from uh, from Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the nice. Family, and an endorsement Excellent. from yeah. George George Weigel, the uh, biographer of Pope John Paul II. And so we really want it to be something that offers hope at a time when when a lot of people are looking for that. I'm glad you did mention Jim Daly, a Focus on the Family, because sometimes uh, I, I know that among Catholics we kind of take ownership of 40 Days for Life as a Catholic thing. And sometimes I find that non-Catholics won't go out, but you found that that's not true. I mean, this is something for anyone, any faith. Do you find that there's that support from other Christian groups and even other faith groups or any groups Absol- at all? Absolutely. And, and Jim Daly has been an excellent example of that. Uh, and he, he interviewed uh, me whenever Abby Johnson had, yeah. had her conversion uh, two years ago and, and left her job at Planned Parenthood. And uh, I got to spend some time with Jim, and he uh, he has made extra efforts to not only reach out to, but work alongside uh, Catholics. Yeah. And that's an extremely uh, huge blessing. I mean, to have any book, whether it was a, a pro-life book or not, but to have any book endorsed by 
uh, the president of Focus on the Family and the biographer of Pope John Paul II, yeah, absolutely. really shows the the progress that we're making yeah, in the movement. Talk, talk about. In fact, I, I heard your interview with with on Focus on the Family. Now, the the campaign 2013 is beginning. It it I know that it's not restricted to to Lent, but you do a campaign during Lent, so that's starting in in uh, a week and, and a bit on on Ash Wednesday. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about how this campaign is? Is it the same as always? Do you have new cities, new countries participating? Yes, uh, a few new countries and, and uh, one new city, including Moscow, Russia, wow. and, and Cape Town, South Africa. And so we've really seen an expansion uh, in the international efforts starting with the U.K. and the United Kingdom had their first 40 Days for Life campaign two years ago, which uh-huh. is one campaign. And in a span of two years, they went from one campaign to ten campaigns. And so it, it, it really is a, is a case of, of other countries looking to uh, North America and, and looking for hope. Our, our, our culture has spread uh, around the world, and sometimes that's good, but in the case of abortion, we're spreading a culture of death, and it's, it's encouraging to see that where that culture of death goes, they're also looking to North America yeah. uh, for a solution. And uh, 40 Days for Life has been a prayerful solution. The campaign actually starts on Ash Wednesday. It ends Palm Sunday. Uh-huh. And so we're, we're extremely excited. People uh, will be able to go to 40daysforlife.com and look at the location nearest them. Excellent. So, yeah, so if you're in the States, there's 261 cities, 44 states. It's, uh, but it's also in Canada, Australia, England, like you mentioned. Spain, Poland, and then you mentioned these new countries, Russia, uh, South Africa, and then I know Nigeria and Wales. I don't know if you have any listeners in Nigeria and Wales, but you never know, Um, through the power (laughs) of the Internet. Um, Sean, it's been great (laughs) chatting with you, having you on the program. I'm a big supporter. I love what you guys are doing. I'm very excited, and uh, I'm very excited uh, about the book. So thank you for sharing a little bit about what you do with us today. Well, thank you, Deacon, and thanks for all that you're doing to build the church. Sean Carney is the campaign director for 40 Days for Life. He's also the co-author of 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do, published by Capella Books. You can learn more about 40 Days for Life and about the book at 40daysforlife.com. That's the number 4040daysforlife.com. But we'll have that link on our website as well so you can find it easily. Here now is Seraphim with God of Loveliness.
That was Seraphim with the title track of their album, God of Loveliness. Now you're probably asking, who is Seraphim? To whom do these angelic voices belong? Well, they are three sisters, Krista, Lisa, and Teresa Hansen, who are well known for their beautiful harmonies and these amazing voices. But they're not just great singers. They do it all for the glory of God. And to tell us more about who they are and what they do, I am now joined by Krista, Lisa, and Teresa Hansen. Ladies, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, so Krista is the eldest, so I'm going to start with Krista. Okay. Tell me, tell us about growing up in the handsome, the handsome family home. Oh, it was, it was great. Big family, seven kids. Wow. Um, and it was always music, always uh-huh. music around. Um, as little girls, dad tucked us in singing, singing songs to us and taught us how to carry our own part, harmony, um, by the age of three Wow! at that point. And then we sang in uh, church choirs from very young ages. We were blessed with choir directors that uh-huh. um, welcomed us in there. And um, then our family also did quite a bit of performing as well. So we just had lots of music, um, instruments, we did variety of different instruments as well. So you took lessons? Uh, we did, yeah. Yeah, so you, uh, and, and, and I, I mean, I know that the Hanson family singers, is that the name? I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. right, the whole family is yes. involved in this musical venture. At, yes. at what point did Seraphim, <laughs> it's like you guys broke up the band or something. <laughs> in a way, it was kind of a, a, a bit of a spinoff. Um, uh, well, about 2000 and oh three is when yeah. when um, we were starting to do three parts, three individual parts, just us three singing yeah. together. And that's when um, our producer, David Phillips, uh-huh. then decided to produce our first CD and right. okay. gave, us the, gave us the name of Seraphim. Okay, and Lisa, tell me, tell me where that name comes from, L- Seraphim. Seraphim, well, we went through tons of names, but we finally landed on Seraphim because um, people always telling us that we sounded like angels. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so Seraphim is one of the, the angels, the six-winged angels yeah. um, around the throne of God. So that's where that nice. comes from. Okay. And, and Lisa, how, how, how weird is it singing with your family? I mean, is it like the, the Von Trapp family or the, uh, the Osmonds? I mean, it's what you grew up with, but is it, was it ever weird? It was um, different than anybody else I knew. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, such a unique uh, occupation, let's just say, and and your experiences are so diverse, and you meet so many people, and you, you get to interact with all ages and all different types of people, and so it was, it was really great. Right. So um, I, don't, I don't think it was actually like really weird, but sometimes it can be interesting. Okay, sorry, who's this speaking? This is Lisa. Okay, Lee. Okay, it's still Lisa. So, so you didn't think it was weird, but you thought it was. Sorry. Interesting. 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 Yeah. Did it ever get like, um, d- you know, I mean, to have your dad be the one that's teaching you or rehearsing you. I mean, I don't know if that was the case, but sometimes that, especially when you're teenagers, that might get a little difficult. No. No. Yeah. You guys were angels also in behavior. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no answer. Okay. <laughs> Let me uh, 
it got a little. This is Krista here. It yeah. got a little, um, little rough now and then, but we we always seem to we always seem to work work through it. Okay, and sorry, and you said so. There's the three the three sisters, and you said there are seven children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes. who are the others? Uh, so we have three older than us, um, two sisters and a brother. Uh huh. And then there's one brother that's younger. Okay, and so when the whole family sings or sang together, it was the whole family? Um, well, in a way, Mom and Dad did some with the, with the older kids, and then when they got married and moved out of the house, um, then um, the music, as far as the performing part, got more active, and so the, um, the majority of it happened with the three of us girls and our younger brother. Okay, I see. Okay, now, Teresa, we haven't heard, heard from you. So you've, you, Seraphim, have quite, have had quite, uh, I think, I would say the, quite the musical career. You sang at the Paramount Theater in Seattle, the New York City Center Theater, at the Rosary Bowl Northwest, at the, uh, you were at the United Catholic Music and Video Association Awards Ceremony. So, Teresa, what, what would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? Oh, wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> it was really neat. Um, I guess going to New York yeah, and being in the Gospel Fest there, that nice. was just an amazing experience. Um, it was our first time in New York, and we were right across the street from Carnegie Hall. Yes. And um, it was just something we'd never done before to be a part of that and um it was a really good experience nice how old were you when you went to new york ah uh, let's see i think i was 12 yeah what a great experience you're right yeah um krista mm-hmm. the music that the three of you do is not and i'm going i'm going to be completely stereotypical here but it's not the kind of music that young people stereotypically listen to but you are young, and you've been doing this music since you were even younger, and so I guess you have friends. And what so, sort of what response have you gotten from young people to your music? A good response, actually. Yeah. Um, um, you're you're right in it being not not the typical kind of music that young people would listen to. But there is quite we have quite a following of of young people, and especially um, little kids. Oh, really? They, they, there are many, many who fall asleep to our music. <laughs> that's not bec- <laughs> That's a compliment, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so that we found that to be very, yes, definitely complimentary. <laughs> that's um, fu- can I just say that? There's a lot of that lot of young people that that appreciate it and listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And what 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 would your um, your friends say, Lisa? When you're 14 years old, let's say, and you're singing with your family or whatever, would would your friends think that that was just a little odd, or 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 did they think it was cool? They think it's they think it's cool. Um, they, you know, a lot of them couldn't quite even grasp that. You know, you just like sing with your family and you like it, <laughs> and you you have a good time, and this is this is your life. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of them say, I wish that I could do that. Really? Yes. Wow, yeah. good, good. Now, Teresa, so as Seraphim, you've, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have four albums, correct, as, as Seraphim? Yes. 
mm-hmm. the last one was a Christmas album, A Seraphim Christmas. Right. Now, do you have any plans for a fifth album, or what's next for you guys? Well, we don't have any in um, the planning right now, but um, you never know. We don't know what God has in hmm. store for us, and we're always open to doing another one. So it's very possible, yes, that right. there could be in the future. Now, is are all three of you interested in pursuing this as a career in music, or, or are you going to w- go and study engineering or something? <laughs> well, um, definitely, I know um, Lisa and I want to continue it as a career, um, which we are doing yeah. um, with our family. And I guess Krista would have to answer her part of that. Because Krista is in college right now? Krista is married, and she lives okay. in Wisconsin, and we are in Oregon. Okay. So right now, she is um, a full-time mom. She has a little boy. Oh, good. So, Yeah. Okay, so now she broke up the band. <laughs> yes. Krista, yes, I did. <laughs> not only did you get n- go and get married, but you moved to another state. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, this is Lisa here. Um, yeah? We're always uh, open to, you know, doing performances and, um, you know, events and stuff, you know. Uh, even since she, you know, got married, we just haven't done that yet, but we're always open to that possibility, so. Right, I guess it's just a little more challenging if you're going to get together <laughs> to right. rehearse or. Yeah. Right. Um, what about, do you ever do any original music? I, I know that as, as the Hanson family you do, but as Seraphim, is there any, are there any original pieces? Do you ever do any composing? Oh, no, we oh. haven't. Okay, then that's my proposal to you. That's next. Okay. <laughs> Okay. That sounds good. Write some songs. Um, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on the program. It's been really fun chatting with you and uh, and getting to know you. And, and I agree with everybody else. You sound like angels and you okay. need to keep doing what you're doing. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. You're very welcome. So that was Krista, Lisa, and Teresa Hansen. They are Seraphim. You can learn more about them at their website, seraphim.ws. Um, I'm going to put that link on our site, but you can also find them on Facebook. Just look for Seraphim. And here now they are, Seraphim, with a song that needs no introduction.
And that was Seraphim singing Ave Maria, the setting by Bach and Gounod from their O oh God of Loveliness album. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. That's where you can download this podcast and also where you can now listen to uninterrupted music and devotions all day long thanks to the support of wonderful Catholic artists like Seraphim and the Hansen family. You can also follow what we do on Facebook. Look for Salt Plus Light Radio and you can find me on Facebook. Look for Deacon Pedro and you can also follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for your financial support, for your prayers. We cannot do our work without you. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.